You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The following is a live production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network and Real Talk 93.3. Fire up your grills. It's time for Tallahassee Game Day on Warchant TV and Real Talk 93.3. That pass is intercepted to the delight of all Seminole fans. The pick six. Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang bring you the latest news, updates, and analysis around the FSU program ahead of today's kickoff on Bobby Bowden Field. Second and three, patient and explosive, and a touchdown for the Noles. Tallahassee Game Day is brought to you by Zaxby's, the official chicken of sports fans. Tallahassee Zaxby's, proudly supporting Florida State University and Seminole Boosters for over 15 years. Zaxby's, indescribably good. Now live from Florida's capital city, here's Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron. Ah, good morning. Great to be with you. It is game day, Florida State, Jacksonville State. The Gamecocks come in for a kickoff tonight at 8 o'clock. Knowles, if you can find it, favored by 27 certain books around town or internationally, you you decide. But anyhow, it's out there. I only tell you that to give you a gauge on how lopsided the uh, the books see this game to be, and it should be. So it's more about us today, more about Florida State today, more about execution, showing up and doing what you're supposed to do today, as opposed to worrying about an outcome. This is about the process. So hopefully today, Florida State is buttoned up and plays and builds on the momentum gained last week in a loss, a heartbreaking one at that to Notre Dame in overtime, but with a lot of positive signs to fall back on. Today's sideline report is brought to you by Bud Light, Tallahassee residents. This one's for you. It's the Bud Light Sideline Experience Contest. If you're a Nolan in Tallahassee, text Bud Light Fan, all one word, to 31996. That's Bud Light Fan, all one word, to 31996. If you're the lucky winner, you score two sideline passes, hospitality passes, and fan gear for the FSU and Miami game on November the 13th. Must be 21 years of age or older to enter. Please enjoy responsibly. As sideline report, no real interview this week, by the way, so we're going to just tell you that uh, people were a go. It's a healthy team. Healthy team. My sideline report is Florida State's good to go this week. We've got uh, the full complement of players that we need in terms of Getting a good evaluation. Well, I think if I can ask you some questions, just yeah. generally speaking, because you went out to practice on Tuesday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was not able to make it to practice this week. You were first practice back after the Notre Dame game. How were the spirits of the players that particular day? You know, I think 
the, one of the one of the best things to to I, I guess describe what is obvious buy-in and belief and in, in, in work ethic uh, with this team is how they respond after tough practices, which you've talked about before, yep. where they had scrimmages and they were nausea, beat up. Probably, and they get, yeah. Yeah. No, but I think it's important because it does give you a good gauge of how bought in are you? Because it's easy to be bought in before you're getting hyped for a game like Notre Dame, and it's, of course, going to be in prime time and the country's watching, and you know if you don't show up play well, you could get blown out. It's easy to be bought in. And what happens if you suffer a defeat and it's a demoralizing defeat because you're in a position to win it and you lose in overtime? Do you show back up ready to work and are you spirited to get after it and get better? And they were. And I think that's really the biggest part. And they've been that way after hard practices, after scrimmages, and now after a tough loss. That's consistently in place for this football team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like getting to a place where we're not going to have that discussion. I mean, not. I'm not saying it's not warranted. I'm saying... I'm going to be glad when we just assume that the requisite amount of want to and buy in and what for is there. Because when you have it rolling in as, as a program, when you have a, a system in place that people buy into and believe in and understand, and it's passed on by the players, and it's understood by all, right? So this new crop comes in, the, the, the outgoing seniors are now replaced by those juniors who bought in the year before. They teach it to the young players, and it just you never worry about it. Like, do we think... I don't know. Do we think Clemson and Ohio State are practicing hard each week? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think they probably are. Same with Alabama and Georgia. I, I bet they're playing really hard every day at practice. That's where you got to get to. You got now. Listen, they have great players, but that's not my point. My point is the culture that's created because of doing things the right way, week in and week out. It just lends itself to the next day's efforts. You're going to have that. Right, yeah, for us, though, we have to have this conversation over and over again because the culture has been so fragile. Mm -hmm. If it's existed at all, in some cases, in the last few seasons. So that's where, you know, it's very interesting to me. As a fan, it's easy to say on a Monday morning after that game or Tuesday, your first business day back by the water cooler, that, hey, mission accomplished, guys. We look better. We look well-coached. We look inspired and we play physically. These are all good things. We can say that, but players don't like to lose, ever. Oh you know, no! Moral victories do not apply to a locker room. So when you have a fragile recent history when it comes to the culture in the locker room, it's important to know that they came back out ready to work and nobody was pouting. That's no. good. That means things are resonating, and that's important. I would, and I was hoping, and I'm glad I saw this, and I think for everybody who did, I, I really thought, man, if anything, you got to be buoyed by that game. I, I listen. We all played at various levels competitive sports growing up no matter who you are likely listening to this, if you're a sports fan, you probably played sports. And it doesn't matter if you played in college or pro or high school. You played, you know what it means to be committed to something and having to work. And you also know what it means to, to, to taste bitter defeat, right? And you're going to react to that one of two ways. But if you see growth, if you see that your efforts are paying off, even in a loss, you can really garner something from that. You can take from that and build towards avoiding that result because of what you gained in the loss. And there that, that's overwhelmingly obvious this last game. I mean, it's overwhelmingly obvious that they're better. Now, again, knock on wood, it's sustainable that you're going to then go on and play good football and build upon what just occurred. And I think they can. I don't see why they wouldn't. And I also think that's part of an established culture that is probably in place here. I, I'm going to I'm going to venture a guess that we see a group that plays hard each week. We did in the spring when they finally had one, and we did in the fall as they started camp, and we did on Sunday night 
against Notre Dame, and I think we will to some extent. I'm not talking about the rah-rah aspect because that is atmospheric in some ways. A lot of that has to do with the, 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 the nature of the game, meaning is it a top 25 matchup? Is it a nationally televised game? Is it all that? You're not going to get uh, in an overwhelmingly good atmosphere at Doak tonight. I'm just going to tell you that. It's not going to be charged. And the players oftentimes feed off that. But in terms of doing your job and playing fast and being responsible and executing the game, but I do think you'll see that. So let me ask you this about practice then on Tuesday. How hard was the coaching? Was did, did it seem like they were overcompensating because it was like, hey, back to work, guys? Or was it like a typical practice? How intense was it from their perspective? Not the players, but the coaches. Mike uh, doesn't fool around. He'll kick people out of practice. Uh, he has this week. I'll tell you that. And it's not for the sort of thing that you're like, oh, he's losing the team. No, he's just not going to put up with nonsense. He's not going to uh, – I, th- I just don't think he's going to back off. I think that they've got a long way to go, and he knows it. Like, we're just scratching the surface. Let's go. Yeah, he was intense. And I think Mike, you know, I, I, in a weird way, Coach Norvell, the angrier he gets and the more intense he gets in practice, and I don't know how many of the players observe this, a lot of players at a big school in, in, in big-time college football – the head coach can be aloof because you're dealing with your segment group coach. You're dealing with your position coach an awful lot. And the head coach is always yelling. You just kind of ignore him because he's always running around yelling in a way, unless he's yelling at you. You just kind of, okay, well, that's that's you know what that's the standard. But for him, and I and I wonder if the players pick up on this when we see it in practice and he is intense, to me that would be a sign that we're close. You know. You remember describing, and you did a good job of this uh, when it happened, the Louisville game from a year ago featured a coach who was resigned to his fate for that season. It was the, okay. Oh, you could see that the gears were not just turning a little bit in his brain, but outwardly he just had to sit there and he was gritting his teeth for the better part of two and a half hours. Yeah, the it was almost that was the game that broke him. In a way, just sort of, okay, all right, we've got work to do. We've got a lot to it's do. It's the old Lou Holtz meme. Well, kind of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's what's going on in his brain. Like, yeah. Well, okay. This is this the mountain is, yeah. I must climb. Yeah. Thought it was more of a hill. It is not a hill. Nope. This is a mountain. Yeah. I'm going to stare off in the sky because I don't want to hurt somebody for life. I'm going to tell them something that they'll never forget, and yeah. it's going to be personal. So instead, I'm going to internalize it, yep. and we're going to live. He did that, and, and it happened, and it was funny, and it was just sort of this, well, all right. We'll have to talk about this tomorrow, you know, sort of thing, right? And so there he was. Well, that work started then and there, right? I mean, it was it was started before that, but it was, the reality of, of the, yeah, and the magnitude of what he had to accomplish hit him. And ever since then, uh, I've just watched the way that he interacts, the way he builds, the way that he builds guys up, breaks guys down, builds them back up. You know, the constant reminders that in order to have success, you must do this. We have got to do this every single day. I will not tolerate a day off from this mindset. 
there can be good days and bad days in terms of execution because the game is still played by human beings. And sometimes guys drop a pass that hits them in the hands. And sometimes you slip. And sometimes you make a mistake. But there can never be a question about how hard you're going to work or willing to work on a daily basis. That can never be in question. From your perspective, now that we're nearly a week after the Notre Dame game, do you feel differently about it, better about it than you did even on Monday or Tuesday, less good about it? I tried not to get carried away after that game and do the thing where, okay, game one went a certain way, and that means game three, game six, game eight are going to go this way because you really can't do that, right? And so that's easy to remember if you uh, win a game, uh, and you have high expectations. You know that the game against the other ranked teams on your schedule may not go that way. But when you're rebuilding, it you do tend to extrapolate and grab onto, latch onto things that are going to make you feel better about your program. And you can overstate it because you want so desperately to be further along in the rebuilding process. Yeah, I could tell you in the postgame show, yeah. which we do every week, this is at home and away, uh, it'll start about 10, 15 minutes after the game tonight, so it'll be about 11.30, 11.45 right here on War Chant TV. It'll be me and Gene. Uh, everybody who was calling and remarking on the rest of the season, a lot of comments as well, talking about how much better they feel about the Miami game, let's say, or the North Carolina game, or, or even the Florida game. And I can understand that. Like I feel better about those games after what I saw last week, but you can't pencil them in as wins because North Carolina lost at Blacksburg, they might get their stuff together. Who knows? Yes. Or that Miami got their doors blown off by uh, Alabama. I Who mean, would have beat us by 100? Right, exactly. So you can't chalk it up as a win now magically because we hung with Notre Dame. Maybe Notre Dame's a four-loss team this year. We don't know. It's hard to know. I used that example last week. I was out on Sunday of Labor Day weekend five years ago. It was Texas and Notre Dame, and that was a classic, unbelievably entertaining game. And it felt like you were watching two top ten teams go to war. Yeah. Guess what? Neither of them were Two months good. later, they yeah. weren't even top 30 teams. <laughs> so you do have to pump the brakes on it. But I think it's also true that we're right to feel better about Wake and feel better about North Carolina and Miami than we did before because you're seeing marked differences yeah. in commitment and organization on defense especially. Yeah, uh, they got to be good again on defense. I say again, uh, there were elements that weren't good on defense uh, a weekend ago. Um, but I, I do think the buy-in and the execution and the coordination was a lot better. So I want to see them really build on that. We'll have time for more defensive stuff in a bit. But that that's, yes, yeah, something I am excited about watching tonight. There are a few things, and that's one of them big time. Uh, no, they're, they're going to be intense, and they're going to be – that coaching staff is not going to relent. You know, it's funny, and I'll put a capper on this in terms of the sideline report. I, uh, I I love it when I see a coaching staff, and in particular a head coach. I mean, after all, he's assembled the staff. After all, he's the one most responsible for getting this program back to where we expect it to be. And the expectations around here, make no bones about it, are to play for national titles. So I like it when I see a coach who's, A, hungry to succeed and works real hard and is organized. Obviously, those are the bedrocks for having success. you got to be able to do all those things. That's got to be a given, right? you know, you gotta got to be smart, got to work hard, got to care, all those things. I like it when they seem to have the same source of uh, – same level of uh, – insatiable desire and hunger and ambition that that fans have because fans are irrational 
Fans are irrationally invested. That's what it means to be a fanatic, to be a fan. And I'm a fan, too, just as we all are, in their teams, right? Like, we live and die with our teams. We know when we take a big step back and think about life on the whole that it's absurd. But in the moment, on a daily basis, when we're thinking about our teams, damn it, we want to win. We care immensely. And, you know, I love it when that is obvious in your head coach that he feels the same way when he is irrationally committed, maybe in a way that makes you wonder if he's altogether healthy. I like that. Like, Nick Saban is weird. Who wins all those championships and wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning every day so he can win another one? Weird people do that, but that's the kind of guy I want leading my team. Yeah. A nut job. Yeah, he's not exactly good in those Aflac commercials, right? right yeah. Like, you know, it's trade-offs. Yes. I'd rather him be the awkward dude in the commercial where you're like, my God, this is awkward. Yes. Because that means in the other facet of his life, he's overflowing with what it takes. That's all he does, clearly, is work on that thing. It's not about present. Because <laughs> he probably, when he goes into homes, right, he talks to recruits, I'm sure he's awkward compared to, I don't know, a John Calipari type in basketball, right? Like yeah. that guy is a polished used car salesman. You know exactly what he's about. Nick ain't like that when he walks into the living room. Nick is awkward and stuffy and dry. But. But he's about that action. He is about that action, and he wants to win, and that's Belichick. That's all these guys. Like, that's what they do. I think we have that head coach who's more charismatic, but we have that head coach. We have that head coach. He is intense. Uh, I remember walking down into his coach's office, into his office, Tom, before we did the spring game thing. I'm up on the top floor walking towards the office. We have a guide because it's me and Ad- Andrea Adelson. And so they're kind of, I know where his office is. But anyhow, the point is we're walking. There's a guide with us. And you know how punctual he is, how we always talk about things <laughs> begin and end at a time. It's and funny. And there's no willy-nilly about it's this, It's really right? funny. Yeah. It does make me laugh. He counts it down. You know the thing on, like, uh, the message boards is, like, not sure if serious. Like, they use the joker thing. Yeah. Not sure if serious. Yeah. That was him. That was me, you know, 20 seconds to go before his opening press conference. You weren't sure if he was serious. 20 seconds! And I'm like, I don't know that he's joking. No, he's not. Yeah. He's starting. Like, shouting it in the room. Well, he turns to Derek, and he goes, I don't care who's in here and who's not. In the next five seconds, if they're not here, we're starting. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, that's how this is going to go. You can see how Derek hears that every day about everything, oh, too. Oh, yeah, he's just kind of yeah, like... He's like he just nods. Right, yeah, right. Nope, that, that's true. That's his bag. That, said, that's, that's him. That's, he's going to do it, but... I actually like that. I, I, oh, me too. I, because it shows that they value time. Well, we heard a Your whisper. Your time, my time, all of it. We heard a whisper from one of his first meetings that something didn't go according to plan in terms of on the ledger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was an extra five minutes or something, and he apologized to the staff. He's like, that's never going to happen again. Yes. That's on me. Like, oh, man. Like, you know, we're off by five or ten minutes on, on one topic of one meeting? He kept them later by five minutes than he had told them he would. Oh, that's what it was. Because they okay. were going home to their families, and he kept them later by five five minutes. And he said, I apologize. That's on me. That, that That's amazing, by the way. That it's So anyhow, I like a maniacal that's out there. Constant awareness. Right. And that is you, I just wanted to get that out there. But again, walking down that hall, he comes charging out of his office. Hey, hey, it's time. Let's go. Let's go into the meeting room right here. I was like, well, Jesus, this is a bit much. But I, that's what you want. You want that. So you're not going to lack attention to detail, focus, intensity. It's not happening. Not under this group. You'll. Ne- I just don't think we're going to have to worry about that. If you need a break from the same old salads, 
Want to give your taste buds a vacation from the ordinary? Then try Zaxby's New Southwest Salad with warm hand-breaded chicken, fire-roasted corn, juicy tomatoes, and crispy Santa Fe tortilla strips, all on a bed of mixed greens and topped with Southwest Ranch dressing. Mm-hmm. It's made to order using only the freshest ingredients, and it's only at Zaxby's, a proud Seminole booster of Florida State University for over 15 years. Tallahassee Game Day is brought to you by Zaxby's, the official chicken of sports fans. Tallahassee Zaxby's, proudly supporting Florida State University and Seminole Boosters for over 15 years. Now here's Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Works better if I put my headphones on while we're doing the show. There we go. I got some thank yous to uh, throw out there real quick, Tom, if you want to highlight the guys that uh, have helped us out. Jason, thank you so much. Good morning to you, too. Uh, really appreciate your uh, contribution to the program and the work we're doing here. Uh, and, uh, Patrick, thank you as well. Uh, thanks for loving the show, and, and, and I appreciate you listening. Uh, going back to all the way back to when uh, my firstborn uh, came into the world. At, uh, he will be 14 soon. 14, and he's going to be six foot. 10 by the time it's all over. We'll he's, he's crazy. He's starting to slow down. He's at 5'11", and he's 13, and he's frustrated because I think he's been 5'11 for about eight months or something like that, and he's kind of like, all right. Yeah, we looked at each other last yeah. week. I said, did you pass me? And it's not quite, not quite. there. He's getting Half there. an inch maybe. Yeah, yeah. he's getting yeah. frustrated. Yeah, he's close to 5'11 there. He, he, um, he wants to be past me, of course. That's the whole thing. I don't think he cares if he grows – to be 6'6", he just wants to be taller than 6'1". So he's just like, that's his whole thing. And so, I mean, once every two weeks, he comes and stands next to me and tries to do the shoulder to the shoulder. I'm like, you're not there, son. Yeah. You're not there. It's close, buddy. It's close. That's a rite of passage, though, the whole standing up more straight than, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. watch your tiptoes, those types of things. He always, I get to give him credit, he strategically uh, will come up to me uh, when I have taken my shoes off and he has his Han. Right. And he's yep. like, oh, what's the mm-hmm. measure? I'm like, oh, of course, sure. Let's do that then. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and he'll think I won't catch him or something like that. It's it's funny. Uh, so, you know, there's no good time on today's show to address uh, the fact that it's the anniversary of 9-11. Um, but we're going to do so right now. Um, and what I mean is that it, it is obviously not a football analysis moment in a pregame show. So anywhere we would have done it uh, would have been a difficult placing and timing. Uh, But I do want to acknowledge it, and I saw some things during the break that reminded me of it. Um, Obviously, first and foremost, Tom, I saw you wore your FDNY shirt, and I know you would. I knew you would. I've had this for 19 years now. I got this on September 11th, 2002, when I was up there for the memorial service, uh, the one-year anniversary, uh, because I lost my Uncle Fran uh, back in... It was the uh, second building that was hit, the first building that went down. He was a captain of uh, Ladder 35, uh, which is around uh, Alice Tully Hall, Lincoln Center, that area. And uh, there's a photo. Matthew put it up uh, mm-hmm. when I was at the memorial two years ago. That was the first time. It, that's how long it took me to get up there for when it was fully constructed, the memorial. And it's um, eerie. It looks much different than it did in December of 2001 when I went up there for his service, which was at the aforementioned Lincoln Center. I heard at the top of the hour when our news report ran, the bagpipes, I, I've i always had a hard time with those. I have a much harder time now after being there on that day uh, in December. And it was amazing um, in not the right way. But in December of 2001, there were still about 30 stories worth of smoldering rubble 
in the site of the trade towers. And I just remember, because you know how it is when you go to New York, you, you see the canyons of roads up in Manhattan. And it's one of the things, it's just, it goes oh, on yeah. for days and it's days. Overwhelming. And those canyons were, were filled because between the buildings you saw this. And um, it was just silent. It was silent when I was up there. It's uh, This is always a tough day, and I cannot believe it's been 20 years. I can't but either. It was um, a much more monumental loss for my family. My dad's one of 11 Catholics. It's what they do, man. Like, if you know Notre Dame and BYU play, they should call it the Procreation Bowl because that's all they do, just giant families. I was his brother-in-law, and um, my other aunts that I spend more time with were very close to my Uncle Fran and obviously my Aunt Angie, who was a teacher. He, uh, he called her. That morning, he never called about any call he ever went on. He's a captain, so he'd seen a lot of things. And he called her. She got called away from the classroom to speak to him. And he said, it's pretty bad. And she had an inkling that it might be the last time that she was talking to him. And a lot of people have stories like that about September the 11th. And I just hope their heart is a, is a little bit better now with time passing. I know it can't be easy. My heart goes out to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. We're thinking about everybody who lost... Uh, anybody that they loved on that day, that horrible day. It's weird. I don't have that personal experience, and I'm glad you shared yours with us. Uh, I don't have that in the way of having lost somebody that was close to me in that sense. Um, I do have a work experience that uh, my old intern and now works in the business um, and has for a long time. Uh, Vegas Insider, amongst other places, has done stuff for years down in Miami. Kevin Rogers, uh, said something sweet today. I just saw it during the break and it caught me off guard, kind of took my breath away because I hadn't really thought about it today. But he had mentioned that he was interning with me uh, at that time at the old Sports Radio 1270 in Tallahassee. And he complimented the work we did that day. Anyhow, the, the point would be, I think back on that all the time now and couldn't have known it at the time. Matt Millar was my producer, our dear friend. And I just remember thinking, okay, get out of the way. And do the best you can in telling and getting the information out there and describing what we're learning as we're learning it because I, it was a morning show and I was on the air when the first plane hit the first tower. And I knew in that moment we certainly had to pivot from sports, <laughs> that, that, that it did not matter anymore. And Especially when the second one hit. You knew it wasn't an accident at that yeah, point. Yeah, and know? I had just got done reading that story, and I've told this story a lot. I had just got done reading a Newsweek story. Uh, on a guy named Osama bin Laden. And the oddity was, of course, I did not know how to say his name correctly. Nobody really did. We were all learning who he was and what that was. And I, so I, I think if I go back and check the tapes, of which I do still have the tapes from the shows that morning and the following days, um, I think I do mispronounce his name. But the bottom line is, I had just finished that article. I had been, I don't know why, I had been on a flight somewhere and I had, and I had read that piece and I was like, well, this guy's terrifying. Or, you know, and, but then you, the way you do, you just set something down. And the next thing you know, I, it, it instantly came to mind that, oh no, this is that. This is, this, this is what I read. This seems like that. Couldn't know it to be sure. But we got calls from people in New York City. We had a guy who called the show to tell me he just talked to his brother who had just gotten out one of the towers. He worked in near while we were on the air. Yeah. And, and and I can still remember getting chills having these conversations, people calling me from New York City. My cousin, my uncle who passed his daughter, worked in the towers and she was off that day. And she wasn't typically it's a Tuesday. Yeah. You know, it's but for whatever reason she was she was away that particular day. And and the one thing I can tell you, just in the plaza of Lincoln Centers we were walking in, because I was a part of the procession. The entire extended family, there were a lot of us, you know, it was silent 
we were walking. We were, um, you had the fire trucks leading the way, and you could just hear the shuffling. I mean, we're on the streets of New York, not the sidewalks, the yeah, streets. They closed the streets. them down. And you hear the shuffling of all the dress shoes on the pavement, and then the bagpipes hit. And what was ter- what, what's still troubling to think about, because of the experiences that these people went through, not me, but these, these heroes. Yeah. The firemen were there all day, every day for months, for months, and we couldn't get them health care, but that, that's another thing. I'm glad it finally happened. But you just saw how exhausted they were because they were helping pull the rubble. They, they'd given up hope after a few weeks, but they were just trying to find anything, a memento that they could give to the families of the fallen. And then they had to put on their dress uniforms every day to go to multiple services. And there they are in formation saluting yeah. as we pass by. And I just, I, I can never unsee the bloodshot eyes of the tears and, and the fatigue and the overall distress and depression in all of these people's faces. And it's just, that is impossible to forget. And I hope we never do. We ought not. And certainly today we remember, and it is hard for me to fathom that it has been 20 years, but uh, it has. Tallahassee Game Day is brought to you by Zaxby's, the official chicken of sports fans. Tallahassee Zaxby's, proudly supporting Florida State University and Seminole Boosters for over 15 years. Now here's Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Time to take a look inside who's hot and who's cold. Brought to you by Barano Heating and Air Conditioning, a longtime trusted partner of the Jeff Cameron Show and Tallahassee Game Day. Turn to the experts at Barano Heating and Air Conditioning for all your cooling and heating needs this fall. Head to BaranoAC.com or call 850-580-4029. Who's hot? How about uh, the offensive, uh, the rushing attack of uh, Florida State football? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my goodness gracious, those numbers stand out to say the least. And... Um, I'll go that route, the entirety of that, uh, because to put up those numbers against Notre Dame was somewhat unexpected. And especially with the way the game started, Tom, there was a sense that this could be a long night. But they stuck with it, they figured something out, and they were able to you know, implement the game plan in a way that uh, I think more than any of us could have known. 264 yards in the, in the uh, season opener on the ground. Doing some things. That's uh, most again since 2012. Yeah, you're fighting it off, but but as an old fan for you know years, we've been disappointed big time in these big games where it's just not even been close. And you have Notre Dame score on a fourth down on a bust, seven nothing. You go three and out, and I, I'm not willing to say it out loud, but I'm thinking it like, is this hopeless again? Because the way that first drive looked, you go back and look and see that things are open for Jordan. The, the screen pass, the shovel yeah, it's on there. first and second down. It's there. The second down plays a little bit tough. That's a, that's a tougher you know, decision to make because you might put the ball in danger. But at any rate, in the moment, in the flow of it, you go three and out and you go, oh, God. Because here comes field position again for Notre Dame and you can see how this thing spirals. And we didn't look all that great in the second drive. But then it's the running game that brought us back. It wasn't an explosive pass play. I know that the Ja'Kai Douglas touchdown happens later in the game, but it's the Corbin run, and it is the angles that are created in this rushing attack. Yeah. That's what I love again. about what we do. We don't stand there and take it. Like That's the most frustrating thing in the world, and Jimbo would fall victim to this at times. Like, you wouldn't come out of what we do even though you can see that we don't have the skill set to pull off the mission at hand. He would still call his plays, and you're like, dude, Find something. Go away from it, yeah. Right, right. And I know that's an, that's an overused fan cliche, but in that case, you can see the difference between those uh, those final days of Jimbo's tenure and what Mike does, which is uh, we've got to create something 
these angles we're looking for. We can't block you straight up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to use motion. We're going to pull guards and tackles, and we're going we're gonna to outflank you and give ourselves a chance. And that's what happened. Corbin goes 89 yards. Next thing you know, it's a ball game, and we're able to consistently run the football. While we're at it, by the way, Florida State had nine tackles for loss. I'll put this in the hot category as well versus Notre Dame. Uh, that is, uh, I think that was the 13th most nationally. So Florida State against a good opponent did that. Yep, and you can see it now on the screen, the overhaul, the numbers for the individual players. But again, this is just unbelievable. When you see that Kyron Williams, who went for about 10 yards a carry 2.3 yards per carry in this one. And Notre Dame, 1.9 yards per carry as a team. You had our defensive ends rack up more sacks, or as many, I forget what it ended up being, than the defensive ends did all of last season in one game against Notre Dame. Not against Duquesne, <laughs> like it will be next year, against Notre Dame. Jermaine Johnson, we described as a force when he arrived in Tallahassee. Uh, I saw him the first day of practice in spring, said to you, holy moly, that looks different. Nobody on this team looks like him. And then later had the opportunity to talk to him, saw that he was smart. He was uh, measured. He was focused and intense, interesting. Huge. A lot of things that help you. And then in this game, to watch that guy go out and have seven tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, uh, a sack and a half. I mean, he was I, – I actually would argue he was in on another one, but that's just me. I, right, I, I right. kind of – I tallied two, but uh, the Jeff Cameron tally is two sacks, but he probably likes my tally more than the uh, official grades there at FSU. But anyhow, he was a menace and something to uh, really, really enjoy – uh, as we move forward, will be his play every Saturday. Keir Thomas was good. Quayshawn Fuller was good. Uh, I think there's reason to be excited each week with this group, and let's hope they continue to grow and, and dominate. They should dominate today. I mean, those are – it was hard for Notre Dame to block them. I would imagine it's going to be hard for Jacksonville State to block them. Yeah, and then conversely, snapping the ball, we talked about it before. At, that's you your know, cold. Yeah, that's cold. The interior, the offensive line in general. Like, it's, give you, I'll give you a different cold. Go Gibbons ahead. played okay. It's not that Gibbons played poorly, but when you're also talking about injury concerns, Dante Lucas had to come in this game for Devontae Love-Taylor in the second half. He saw a lot of 55. So your center and your right guard in the second half were completely different than what the, the starters would have been. And then in general, the, the pass rush coming up the middle. Um, you know, Gibbons was much better in run blocking. We all were. Uh, but that's something that we need to see tightened up, and you got to know that you can handle it against a team like J-State. Please, please, because for the last five years, it didn't matter who it was. J-State, ULM, Clemson, it all looked the same. Can it look different today? I'd like to think so, and I believe that it will. I'll give you a different cold, and, and it's a cold that I think can become warm. We can get warm pretty quick here because they were in position, and that's why it pains me to say the secondary. As cold, because obviously Jack Cohn had himself a day for the ages. And listen, even if you think that I overstated the level of mediocrity Jack Cohn to be as a starting quarterback in college football, if you think that I was a little bit harsh on Jack Cohn, um, okay, fine. I'll, I'll maybe grant you that. I'm telling you, he's not the guy you saw that night. He was too good, and that's why I went cold with the secondary. He did have some throws that all you can do is tip your cap. But we, we gave him some opportunities that you can't consistently give up there. The good news is, again, ordinarily when we do this and when we've done this in the past, Tom, the, the, the feeling of frustration was always born out of, I don't think that gets fixed. I don't think these guys know what they're doing. This doesn't look coordinated, etc. 
they were coordinated. The left hand knew what the right hand was doing. The defensive players, for the most part, if they did not make the play, lacked the ability to execute in the moment, not because of mass confusion, but just a physical mistake or they got outplayed. Something that, you know, hey, happens. The other guys are trying to, as they say, they're on scholarship as well. But they were in position outside of the first bust, and that was a communications issue. We never really saw that frequently again at any point in, in any stretch in this game. The guys were, for the most part, where they were supposed to be. So I think a chance to remove themselves from under the umbrella of cold, if you will, next week will be that secondary this week because I think they can make plays. They're there. Travis J was in position on the two big plays. Well, and one of them is just a, a drop in a bucket, and it's a beautiful throw. The other one, he's there. That's an underthrow. He gets a little unlucky. He just gets a little unlucky. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you saw some guys respond last week, too. Akeem Dent is somebody I circled in the cold category. You finally got me to. You had to give me like seven hints, and I said, all right, fine, I'll bite. I was worried about him because his time and safety is first go-around with Willie and, and yeah. Harlan Barnett did not go well. And all he's known is a toxic and losing culture here at Florida State. So I was worried that if something went wrong, how would he respond? Oh, I don't have to worry anymore. You know, We could talk about who the best safeties on the roster are, but you want to talk about heart and response? Akeem played with passion, and there was a breakdown early on, and he responded to it. I don't know that you could ever do anything about his hands, but that's okay. If you're in position deflecting passes away and you come downhill and you hit, mm -hmm. that's the thing about the secondary that you can set and forget. They're going to hit you. And that is really good to see. Yeah, Sidney Williams and those guys are sudden. Oh, Shaheen when he gets out there too. That won't be long. Won't be long. They're sudden. Uh, Tallahassee Knowles, take note. This one's for you announcing the Bud Light Sideline Experience Contest. If you're a Knoll in Tallahassee, text Bud Light Fan, all one word, to 31996. That's Bud Light Fan. All one word to 31996. If you're the lucky winner, your score, uh, you will score two sideline passes, hospitality passes, and fan gear for the FSU in Miami game on November the 13th. you got to be 21 years of age or older to enter. Please enjoy responsibly a message from local Anheuser-Busch beverage distributor Tri-Eagle Sales. Tallahassee Game Day continues in a moment. Tallahassee Game Day is brought to you by Zaxby's, the official chicken of sports fans. Tallahassee Zaxby's, proudly supporting Florida State University and Seminole Boosters for over 15 years. Now here's Warchant.com. I'm Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Defensive keys to the game. That would be uh, brought to you by our friends at Zaxby's. Appreciate you. Zaxby's. I've had way too many of Yeah, these. what's your chicken finger uh, count like, up to? It's like 10. I, it's is it really? It, it is. It's <laughs> absurd. I can't do this, guys. Your, your chicken fingers are too good, and Tom puts them right in front of me, and then we go to break. There's a couple minutes. I've got a minute to read here or two. What am I going to do? I'm going to eat a chicken finger. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. See, I'm at three because it's over there. Over here. Yeah. yeah. No, now i got to go jog around the neighborhood six times before we go to the <laughs> game and get, get set. Yeah. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. It's okay. Uh, defensive keys to the game. Stay home, uh, for lack of a better term. Do your job. It's, it's, it's really more about do your job because physically, Florida State is going to be better at every position in this matchup. So I would say that, again, this is a lot more about us than it is them. And in a game like this, it's it's about obviously showing up and executing the game plan, and 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 having a willingness uh, to go do this early so that others can get in late. And I and I think that's the other part of this is that you do your job as starters today, defensively. If you if you aren't freelancing but doing what is asked of you, a you take a step forward and get better as a whole on defense, uh, and b you show 
again, a willingness to get the job done so that others can get time. You're in many ways giving everybody a chance to grow this afternoon, or I should say tonight. Yeah, so make sure you read your keys, take care of your jobs, right? This is like, um, again, with opponents like this or, or lower-level FCS opponents in general, there are times that defense can make plays for the wrong reasons. So maybe there's a coverage bust and the quarterback is throwing a bomb down the field, but he's got Drew Brees' arm. And so if he's got Drew Brees' arm, the ball is going to be up in the air forever, and you can make up uh, as a defender, make up 10 yards that you need, and end up intercepting the pass. That's actually not a good play. Right. It's a good result, but the process is not good. So I'm looking for things like that. Uh, communicate clearly. You want to see pre-snap communication between the safeties and the linebackers, pre-snap communication from the sideline to the defense so that we're ready to go on time. That's important. And then linebacker play. We want to see better and more consistent linebacker play. I'll be interested to see what the rotation is there as well today. Uh, as an aside, and this just came down the pike here uh, a few minutes ago, looks like Georgia's quarterback, uh, is JT Daniels, maybe, maybe not going to play today. Those are the whispers, huh? Just for people that are interested in games like that. They've got a cakewalk today, though, UAB, don't they? UAB, that's okay. an interesting number. Just to okay. just put it out there. for people. I'm trying to be a source of information. That's all this is. Looks like their starting quarterback may be out for this game. I was going to pull this up. There it is. There it is. That's good to know. There we go. That's where when our guy gets a tip, I got to go to the uh, to the JCS page. Well, this ain't, yeah, this ain't a tip. This is a report from ESPN on the ground. There, that is uh, that there's an oblique problem or something. So we're we're dealing with a a mild injury. May may not need to start him today. So okay, you need to know. It's good to know. It's information you need to know. It's uh, it's the way it works. By the way, we do have to do uh, predictions, and predictions are brought to you by Lane's Medical Shop with locations in Colquitt and Donaldsonville. Lane's Medical Shop offers all your medical supply needs. They even have delivery and emergency service available as well. Lane's Medical Shop, 229-228-5811. Tell them that I sent you or Warchant.com sent you for half-off discount. So say Jeff Cameron or Warchant, and you're saving half-off. There you go. Make it happen. Thanks to our friends at Lane's Medical Shop. Uh, yeah, that ain't 5%. No. That's 50%. 50%. Jeez. Let's – um. well, by the way, you guys, that game's not till 3.30. You got time to scramble and text whoever you <laughs> got to – For Georgia, yeah. Yeah, whoever you got to text. You got a little bit of time there. It's okay. Uh, so – Score prediction. I struggled with this earlier in the week because I just I felt I felt fairly indifferent to the game if I was being honest, and therefore I think it was reflected in my score prediction. I was like, eh, 34-13. But the more I've given it thought and the more I you know get excited about watching Florida State play football again, um, even if it's against Jacksonville State, the more I think, oh no, don't be that guy. And they can't be that guy. They've got to play hard and play focused and play business like. And if they do that, then yeah, that number will be bigger. Uh, so I'll, I'll go forty-eight ten. All right, I'm going to consult with my army of chickens here on the total. Mm. Guys, did we hit over fifty points? All right, they told me yes. Over so, fifty. Here yep. we go. Here we go. Fifty-nine thirteen. Fifty-nine thirteen. Oh, here's Nearly why. Nearly sixty points today, Tom. Here, Lane. here's why. That offense was close to scoring 50 points on Notre Dame. There were a lot of plays outside of the ones that we made mm -hmm. that could have gained big chunks of yardage. And so if we're going to be consistent week to week, I know today's going to be vanilla. You're not going to break out all your tricks against J-State. But you can run some of our basic run looks against a defense like this and get down the field all day. And we like to get up to the line of scrimmage, run with tempo. They're going to go through that because 
Wake Forest could be a shootout in itself. Wake Forest is not scared to play a 49-42 type game. So all signs point to us at a big total today. 27 points was the unofficial offshore line. Yeah. I think we handle that. Well, I think it became an official line in the States here today while okay. we were doing the show. Way to so go, you know. America. Yeah, way to go, DraftKings. You got the Cyhawk trophy, <laughs> and, and you've got an official number. We do. I was I was frustrated by this all week long. I was like, what are we doing? Where's the number? I thought it was because of the McKenzie-Milton situation where they didn't know who was going to start and they couldn't come up with I'm like, hey, man, if that's the way this is going to work, it's going to be that way all year long because we're not going to know. Right, So right. you can't do that. Maybe it is. Maybe yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe this morning they're like, oh, well, okay. 27, 27 it is. 27 it is. Yeah, so that's that number. But, uh, yeah, those are our score predictions, again, brought to you by Lane's Medical Shop. Again, if you want to reach out to Lane's, 229-228-58. One one. If you tell them I sent uh, sent you or War Chanted, you'll get half off discount. That's uh, the way that works. Whew. Yeah, we're gonna have to say goodbye to our uh, YouTube viewers. Remember, folks, tonight, ten to fifteen minutes after the game concludes, Florida State and Jacksonville State, we will be going live on War Chant TV. Gene Williams and I for the post game show, but we don't want to get dinged in the monetization category for playing the War Chant. Uh, Ryan writes, as long as Tate doesn't throw the worst interception in college football history again, that's what I called that interception, the worst interception in college football history, uh, the Tate Rodemaker interception against Jack State. That, I'm, I am hard-pressed to find a worst interception. It was special. I mean, it didn't matter at the end of the day. They won the game, but my yeah. goodness gracious. There are things that I will say, and not even like you know FCC violation things. Like Tones, I'll deliver something where – my wife will come out of the kitchen or upstairs. Not, you know, don't get me on that. But uh, and she'll say, "Is everything all right? What happened?" You know. Oh, because you. And that throw, I go, "Oh my god!" And, and <laughs> just like that. And like she goes, you just saw something horrible, right? And she's yeah. like, "What? What happened?" Yeah, like, but, uh, yeah. That interception. She goes, "Oh, oh you're talking about football?" Yeah, yeah but yeah. it was it yeah. was more than football. That reaction. I said, "Oh, what is that?" I was flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you're staring at – it's like if I'm looking at you the way I'm looking at you right now. Just looking at you. Like, look at this. Hey, Tom, look at this. Oh, oh look at that, Tom. There it is. I threw it to you. Oh. I threw it right to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still angry about it. All this time You're later. surprised that that happens in a pickup game, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, what are you doing, Felix? Yeah, I mean, it's like a bizarre thing I never say. trusted Felix anyway. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on Felix's team. Felix is good for one of those a what, game. What kind of throw is that, Felix? I'm standing right there. What and, are you doing? And that's where his teammate Roy's like, you always want to play quarterback? Uh, yeah. Stop yeah. doing this. Yeah. That's a ridiculous throw. Nothing short of ridiculous. <laughs> but that won't happen today. Florida State will win and win big. Thanks to our friends at Zaxby's. Thanks to all of you. Good work out of you, Tom. Good work out of you, Matthew. And uh, to all of you, I hope you enjoy the day. You have an opportunity to uh, cheer and also reflect. Be good. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. Go Knowles.